0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. You can spell it. You can find it, as the old adage goes. I used to spell it with, like, the military call letters. I don't know if that was helping anybody. It's Dan. That's the easy part. And then Vespers is Bravo Echo Sierra, Bravo Romeo India Sierra. I didn't learn any of the other ones. I just learned those. One, two, three, four, five different letters. Uh, And so now I'm able to do that on a podcast, and I sound extremely knowledgeable. I know. (laughs) load of crap. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I hope you will do so because we do so, so much on social media. And thank you to the person that in the chat room already called me the Twitter goat. Uh, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. That's that's what it all comes down to because, and, and I'll take this second here just to address everybody. First of all, thank you to all of you. I know many of you are throwing likes and retweets on stuff. That's actually a really big deal. Even if it's just one thing every couple of days, it adds up and then it drops into other people's feeds and we can keep growing. I can grow my own Twitter. I can grow Ethos Fantasy BK's Twitter, which, uh, you know, again, that's Ethos Fantasy, then BK, like basketball. Um, And that's all great for sports ethos because it's more people coming in. Um, I realize it's also hard for me to ask you to like tell other people in your league about this podcast or about sports ethos because then you feel like you lose your edge. It's a s- terrible business model what we have going on here. So if you are hesitant to do so, this is another way to kind of spread the word telling people in other leagues about sports ethos and me, Dan Bestperson, fantasy NBA today, uh, and that's uh, and that's how that goes. Um, it's a Friday show. So you guys know what that means. We're going to be going through ads and drops and holds and watch lists. It's a big watch list this week. Actually, a lot of guys are sort of like hovering right in the balance, a couple of buys, a couple of sells. And then we got this mega streamer board. I haven't been able to do that on Twitter. The last couple of days, I've just been way too busy and too many players are actually kind of coming off of the streamer board. Oddly enough, it finally shrunk down from like 21 to more like 12 or 13. So there was quite a few shakeups on the streamer side. Um, but we'll go through that stuff piece by piece. And, uh, obviously I'll throw some promos, squeeze some promos into the mix there, but let's dive right on in start at the top ads. That's what everybody wants to see. And my first ad, I want to go through the guys that are sort of like, uh, the second call on the ad names. And I, I tried to cut and paste this into a, a chat room for people that are watching this show and it did not go very well at all. Uh, but the ads on this list, the second call guys are Malik Monk and Tim Hardaway Jr. And I like to start with the second calls because I don't feel like I need to spend a ton of time explaining myself on those guys because I did it last week. And I don't think I should have to explain myself on most of those dudes because Hardaway in particular has been just lava hot of late. He's pushed his number up on the season up to 155, which is crazy because he wasn't even even in the ballpark of fantasy value uh prior to basically the last 2 weeks and then over that stretch he's been insane. He's hitting every damn three-pointer in the universe and he's a top 70 player over his last 7 games, almost 5 three-pointers a game over that stretch. If you just eliminate that 7th game, if you just go last 5 or 6, it's been even more impressive, you know, top 25 kind of guy. Uh he's not going to shoot that well in perpetuity, um, he's not going to hit six three-pointers a game on 56% from the field, but he is settling in nicely with that starting unit. And then as far as Malik Monk goes, we've been looking for consistency out of him. It, it fluctuates, admittedly. Um, last week, he's outside the top 130 because he really hasn't done anything besides score. But if you extend that to two weeks, three weeks, it actually gets better for him because you got a few steals, you got a few assists, The upside is not colossal with Monk because he's going to be a little lower on the depth chart and he's more of a scorer first. Free throws are useful for him. Field goal percent is going to be iffy. Uh, Assists and steals is where he's able to kind of elevate his numbers and those come and go. So he's not as pressing, but I do feel like he has kind of a rest of season appeal to him and that's why these guys end up in the ads department. Uh, other ads. Let's get to the first timers. Walker Kessler, who's coming off one big ball game, but frankly, that's all I really needed to see because we'd been talking about him as more of a watch list guy for uh, a few weeks. It's kind of like, oh, he's like getting very close. What do we do with this information as we press up against? Anyway, he got to start. That's the short version. He got bumped in the starting lineup. Did it have to do with Larry Markin being out? It's quite conceivable, actually, and if if when Markkinen comes back, which could be as as soon as this evening, uh, does Kessler go back to the bench? Maybe, but he has one of those fantasy stat sets where you don't want to be late to the proceedings, if you guys catch my drift. Like, if he pops, you don't want to wait until it's two, three games in to make the ad, because at that point, you're too late. It's much better with a player like Kessler, who, if he gets not even starters minutes, but like 22 to 25 minutes a ballgame, if he gets that much, and i got to decrease the light here on my face, it is absolutely stunningly bright. Uh, If he pops, if he gets 23, 24 minutes, that's enough for almost a double-double and probably two blocks per game. That type of stuff doesn't grow on trees. So you just, I mean, the thought process here, at least on my end, as you guys sort of watch me work through it in my head while speaking about it, is in a worst case scenario, you drop him. but there are a lot of scenarios where his minutes maybe improve every time he's out there and he plays a decent ball game. I don't know, I feel like you're convinced. can I move on? I can move on um, Bones Highland is an ad, but he's more of an ad on the head-to-head side than the roto side because of the inconsistency element. When he's cooking, he's cooking. But overall in the year, he's outside the top 160 because a lot of really bad games have been blended in with the better ones. He's not a roto games cap friendly type of player because if you drop him in there on the day where he has five minutes against New Orleans, you've exploded a games cap. If you drop him in there on the game where Denver gets involved in a blowout or Jamal Murray's in foul trouble or something like that and he gets 30 minutes and scores 20 points, congratulations, but. The problem with Bones is that right now it's averaging out to sub-12 team value. on, And so for a games cap side, it's not enough. Head-to-head, if you roll them out there in a decent scheduling situation, then it's beautiful. Like, you know, they've played every other day for like the last 10 days in a row. That's actually a pretty good schedule in the modern NBA. After tomorrow, Bones, they play, they host Utah uh, Saturday. Then they're off for three days. So to me, at that point, he's probably not even a head-to-head guy anymore. But, you know, you could grab him at the tail end of that. Then they go back to kind of a every-other-day proposition. Bogdan Bogdanovich is on the ads list. And, you know, he probably would have been on the watch list list. Probably said that word one too many times. But DeJounte Murray got his ankle tweaked when R.J. Barrett invaded his landing space. And so now the Hawks are going to have kind of no choice but to give Bogdan, frankly, more than he can handle right now. Uh, he's only 57% rostered, so he is floating around in some leagues. He's worth an ad. I know his last ball game was not an impressive one. He's going to have a good deal of uh, rust as he gets himself ramped up to all this stuff. But the good news is, dude took 16 shots in the game where he laid an egg. 16 shots is way more than enough, and he will get a lot of them with John Collins and DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray all either out or doubtful or questionable. The road is wide open. He doesn't even need to play 30 minutes to get enough usage to get to fantasy value. So Bogdan's an ad. Perhaps he turns out to be an elevated streamer. It's a possibility that as the Hawks get fully healthy, Bogdan slides back out of the equation. But that could be a week. That could be two weeks That's more than enough time to call him an ad for now, more than a streamer to say ad and see how it goes. Ad doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to hang on to someone the rest of the year. It just means that there's a chance I might hang on to them for the rest of the year in a way that with streamers, not really. You know something is going to break it up, barring a catastrophic injury that turns their stream into a longer term deal. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. This might actually have been a second call for him as well. I can't remember if last Friday he was on the ads board or if he was like the watch list almost ads board for us, but he's an ad, and he's an ad despite the fact that his last few games have been relatively quiet, and I'll tell you why. Because his last few games have been averaging 28 minutes. He's only 15% rostered, which is nuts for a center playing starters minutes. Yes, he's number 142 on the season, Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. But that a lot of that was actually tied up in him having super low minutes the first month of the year. Last two to three weeks, his minutes have trended up into the high 20s, and over that stretch, by the way, despite the fact that his blocks have been extraordinarily low, and he's not a big shot-blocking guy, but he's a center, and he'll typically kind of fall into one every now and again. Over the last two weeks, he's in that 120 range. Field goal percent could be better. Rebounds could be better. Steals and blocks could be better. He profiles as a late-round center, but those guys ended up being kind of hard to find this year, which it's kind of funny because like, coming into draft season— when we were running a bunch of mocks, it seemed like there were a bunch of centers that were going late that had an opportunity where, you know, the thought process was at least one of those guys would pan out. And, and the guys that I'm thinking of, like as I dump a few names out on the board, were... Uh, and it did, you know, a few of them did pan out, but they're different ilk. Let me see if I can explain myself. So the centers that were going late that were getting scooped up uh, on my board... You guys remember from the Dan Basper's Old Man Squad, Brooke Lopez, Kelly Olenek have been the two that really panned out in a big way. Uh, Isaiah Jackson was the one that did not. But of those three guys, the only one that was really slated to get a bunch of rebounds and field goal percent was Jackson. Brooke Lopez, blocks and threes out of the center spot. Olynyk sort of an across-the-board kind of deal. Steals, some blocks, some threes, some assists. But neither one of them was a field goal percent rebound guy. Those centers, the late drafted centers that were supposed to help you in field goal percent and rebounding, none of them panned out. So Ijax didn't pan out. Hartenstein didn't pan out, at least not for now. And you know, things can change with those guys. If you want to go a little bit earlier, Jalen Smith hasn't been panning out, although he was never going to be a huge field goal percent guy, he was gonna be more of the rebounding side. The late big men that worked. And, you know, we're fortunate that we did get a lot of Brooke Lopez and Kelly Olenek, so that's been great. Don't get me wrong. Those guys have been arguably two of the most fun picks in fantasy basketball this year. But the rebounds and field goal percent targets we had late in drafts, and all analysts, really, just didn't happen. You can look at draft results from pretty much every draft you've been in. Basically, none of those guys. All the rebounds... I mean, here's an even easier way to do it. Sort your board by the best rebounding players in the NBA, and you got to go way down to get to a player that has legitimate fantasy value that wasn't drafted either in the early or middle rounds. Like Bobby Portis, who was going in the 80s, is maybe the best example of like a semi-late big man who has been a pretty good field goal percent rebound guy. Ivica Zubac, who was going around 100% is a decent example of one, but there hasn't been that one that really exploded. Zubats is number 82, Portis is number 94 in 9-cat. These are guys that are not blowing the roof off the building. Yes, and Portis isn't getting you field goal percent anyway. Zubats, I guess, is kind of the only example. Then you got to work your way way down the board to find the next good rebounding big man who's also good at field goal percent that wasn't taken kind of early. And honestly, I'm having trouble finding it. Jared Vanderbilt, who's number 105, is sort of blended in there. Mitchell Robinson, but he was taken in the typically more like the 80s. There just wasn't that like post-100 guy like Brook Lopez, who was drafted at like 140, or Olenek at 140. Those guys didn't pan out. The guys that were drafted super late that did pan out were the guards. The guards have been the ones that panned out, the late draft picks. The uh Mike Conley who's due to come back tonight is a decent example of that, or Kyle Lowry who was going relatively late this year. You can, you know, it's pretty easy actually to sort by assists in your league and you can find some guards that went pretty late that are actually like relatively doing relatively well in the assist department. Or just like general guard statistics. Lowry number 59, Conley doing relatively well. So, all of that tangential, Dan fluttering his brain off in the distance as if to say, we need to be proactive with big men who can rebound or help field goal percent. A la Walker Kessler, sort of Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's more rebounds than field goal, but whatever. And it's why the next name on this list is back on there again, and that's Larry Nance Jr., who... Uh, I don't want to say that I recommended a, a, a drop. I think he was more of a like light hold on a recent one. But we finally got to see New Orleans play their first competitive basketball game in God knows how long. I remember earlier this week we did a, a segment on the last time Larry Nance played in a competitive basketball game was November 18th when the Pelicans lost to the Celtics by eight points, and he played 27 minutes in that one. And then the next one, blowout, 18 minutes. Next one, blowout, 17 minutes. Next one, blowout loss, 15 minutes. Next one, November 28th at Oklahoma City, or versus Oklahoma City, Nance didn't play in that game, and sure enough, it was competitive. And then he sat out an 18-point game, an 18-point game, a 15-point game, and didn't sit these out. He was getting 20 minutes. And then whammo, Pelicans played the Pistons, of all teams, in a six-point game, and Nance played 29 minutes. Now the Pels have two in a row against Phoenix, and then two in a row against Utah, and then another one against Phoenix. This profiles as possibly five consecutive competitive ballgames. So Nance is in a great posture right now. He might see minutes in all five of those. It's a little weird how many non-competitive games the Pelicans have been involved in, but it also seems like the kind of thing that will level out over time. Uh, So that's why I like it. Uh, who have I not covered on this list so far? Um, Keegan Murray, he had a good ball game yesterday. I put him back in the ads board because, I don't know, I, like, for some reason I got, uh, dubbed as pro-Keegan Murray, which, as you all know, longtime listeners of the show, I'm very anti-rookie in general. God help me, I don't know why this light is so bright today. I am very anti-rookie in general. But, when they start performing poorly at the beginning of the year, I actually become pro-rookie because they get dropped because they become available for a ridiculously cheap price. So these guys that are getting drafted at 80, 85, whatever, someone's blowing a seventh-round pick on Keegan Murray, they throw him on the waiver wire, or you can get him for, like, a decent waiver wire scrub or a super-hot long streamer, and then I become pro-rookie, like Jabari Smith Jr., who's starting to turn it around. And Murray, you're seeing more signs of him starting to turn it around. So, yeah, I think you add him, I think you ride this thing out, And I think the nice part is that if you added Keegan Murray now, seven and a half, eight weeks into the season, you didn't have to deal with two months of him sucking. You can enjoy the benefits of what happens to every rookie, which is they get popped in the mouth, you pick them up after that, and then you roll. Ta-da! It's fantastic. And the same bleeping thing happens every year. Because I can guarantee you, in late September... The rookies are going to move up the board, and a bunch of analysts are going to tell you, this is the time, and it's going to be the same thing again. Don't get caught up in it. Let them go. You might miss out on one. There's usually one rookie every year that manages to figure it out quickly. But odds are, there are going to be four to eight of them that figure it out later, and you can take advantage. Andrew Nemhard is the only name on this list. I don't believe that I've covered. I did them out of order for some unknown reasons. I don't. I don't know why I did that. I wrote them in a different order than I talked about them. Uh, I like Nemhard. He's he's got a well-rounded fantasy game. Um, no, obviously he's not going to be the same guy when uh, when Halliburton is in the lineup. But we've seen enough, I think, from him to call him an ad. And you know, he he actually had a ten assist game when Halliburton was in there. He passes well, he defends well, the steals are solid, the three-pointers are solid, he actually rebounds really well from the guard position. Since his minutes have trended up into the 30s, his rebounds are 4, 6, 8, and 6. I don't know, there's not a lot to not like about him. He has a non-rookie type of fantasy game. Maybe he's the one. There is only one. And he wasn't even drafted. Maybe Nemhardt is the answer to which rookie figures it out a little quicker. The one that's not being asked to do quite as much. Go figure. I uh, want to tell you guys here, and just, you know, a brief stoppage in the action, to remind you guys of our partnership with Manscaped.com. They're great. This is their third consecutive year sponsoring us here at Fantasy NBA Today. The promo code is Ethos20. You can get 20% off and free shipping on your order, whatever it might be. Get something small, like the luxury nail kit, which, I mean, this thing is so, so sweet. By the way, it's magnetized. Snaps in, holds closed. I've got it on my desk. I have it there the whole time. I don't just do that before podcasts. It's there because every once in a while, you got to deal with the old fingernails. They've got the lawnmower 3.0. They've got boxers. They've got shampoos and conditioners now they've got gels they've got shaving cream they've got a travel bag they've got an ear and nose hair trimmer they've got an actual straight razor which is really nice i did that on like this lower neck and cheek area probably why this this desk light is reflecting off of my face like a solar flare today i'm going to continue to mess with it until i can fix it here and i can do this show without squinting the whole way through uh manscape.com promo code ethos20 strong recommend on the lawnmower 3.0 that thing is sweet that's way over that away out of out of screen so i can't go get it here while i'm doing the pod Uh, but definitely check them out and i'm forever grateful all right next thing on the docket the drops and uh, this is a uh, the drops are always a pretty easy one i don't need a ton of explanation on the drops um, I'm going to try to, once again, type them out to the best of my ability. I don't know if that's going to work in the middle of a show, but uh, that'll be for folks that are watching the live show. Hey, that did work a little bit better. The drops are Austin Reeves, who, um, if you watch him, that's all you need to know. He looks less confident. Something happened maybe before that Milwaukee game where, I don't know if he got a ball poked away. It's It's amazing how so much can happen in a basketball player's head And the impact it has on what they're doing on the floor. And he just there's a different speed to what he's doing, or to any of them, when they lose a little bit of that confidence. It could come back, and he's still got a couple of and ones in that Cleveland game, but like there's just something sort of clicked back down for him. And he's gonna need a couple, you know, a good game or a game where he doesn't feel like things are kind of going against him. Maybe it's a couple three-pointers going in or whatever. Then we can reconsider. But for now, he's a drop. Uh, Alexei Pokashevsky is a drop. He hasn't been getting minutes now for a couple of weeks. I, you know, I'll admit, three weeks ago, I thought that this was the time that they were going to finally unleash him. Nope. Marvin Bagley became Marvin Bagley again, and I don't mean to be a jerk about the Marvin Bagley thing, because I actually have nothing against him specifically. Uh, I just I have something against numbers when they're trying to lie to me. So my beef was actually with numbers attempting to lie to me. And then sure enough, he's had like three pretty bad games in a row after a few good ones. And, you know, this leveled off. That's it. Life life finds a way kind of thing. And that's the, the power of averages. So you can punt. I mean, you know, especially in the games cap side, you can't possibly trust to drop him into your lineup. If you're head-to-head, you can roll with him when the schedule is right. And then Colin Sexton, who got hurt, which, you know, timing-wise – what are you going to do? Mike Conley's coming back anyway. Sexton was about to lose most of his value. Um, so the, the timing worked out relatively well on that front. Only two holds, so I'm not going to type those names in the chat room. And they are uh, Lonnie Walker, who I think, much like Reeves, has lost a step. And I don't know if it's confidence or with him. We did hear that he was playing through a little bit of a foot thing. So it's possible that it's uh, kind of a day-to-day injury-related type of issue uh, in which case maybe we end up picking him back up. Perhaps he becomes more of a streamer type, but right now I think maybe you could even downgrade him to streamer level. And then Royce O'Neal is the hold... Wait a minute, I've I've jumped ahead. Oh, Lonnie Walker's in the... Yeah, we're in the holds department. I, I've lost track of what I'm talking about here. So Lonnie, I think you probably hang on to a little bit longer, but I actually don't have that big of an issue if you wanted to drop him. Royce O'Neal is the firm hold that I want to put on your board. I, there's this weird anti-Royce sentiment in the fantasy space, and I don't know where it originated, but I do know that it is spreading, and I think it has something to do with the fact that he's another dude who doesn't score, and right now, he happens to be in a pretty bad shooting slump. But that's the thing about guys that are ranked between 60 and 100. They're not going to be super consistent. They're not. And for Royce O'Neal, he had a game back on November the 23rd uh, where he hit five three-pointers. I think he went five for eight shooting in that ball game. Four boards, seven assists, four steals. Since then, he's shot 38, 40, 29, 22, 44, 17, and 17%. I want you to try to throw that part out as you're assessing what he's been on the year. Over the last two weeks, Royce O'Neill is outside the top 175. That's bad. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that part. But try to see why. Sample size. Sample size. He's playing 38 minutes a game over those last two weeks. And he's shooting 29%. He has six rebounds. Four and a half assists, a steal, and 0.6 blocks over that stretch. Those numbers are pretty well in line with what he's done for the season to this point. In fact, the rebounds are even a little bit higher uh, over the last two weeks. The only real difference for Royce is that on the season, he's shooting 38%, which, mind you, that's including the two weeks where he shot 29%. So he was actually more like around you know, 39 or 40 prior to this slump. So that means the points were higher, the three-pointers were higher, and the field goal percent was higher. And he's number 86 on those numbers. What if you went back and you just looked at the first five to six weeks of the season, meaning eliminate the most recent shooting slump and try to remember what he was before that happened. So basically, go to like November 25th from the start of the year. What was Royce O'Neill then? He was number 72. 10 points, five boards, four and a half assists, two and a half three pointers instead of one and a half, shooting just over 40% instead of 29%. This is a guy who, when he's shooting his normal rate, is a top 75 nine cat player. And don't start with the it's because of turnovers. He's actually just under two turnovers per game, which is basically league average. So he's doing it with the better-than-average boards for a wing, the much-better-than-average assists for a wing, good steals, decent blocks, good three-pointers. That's a lot of good. Are you guys seeing where I'm going with this stuff? I even had somebody tweet at me that they dropped him and they felt great about it. Well, I I don't understand. Like, if someone who when his field goal percent levels off, is a top 75 guy. I don't know what kind of league you're in, but you can't be dropping a dude like that. His role hasn't changed. He's still taking like eight, six to eight shots per ball game. He's just been missing them. We don't need him to take 10 shots a night. In fact, he didn't really, like there was a time, when Kyrie was out, I think he took like nine-ish, nine, nine and a half shots per ball game. And yeah, he was more like a top, 55-60 guy at that stretch, but we only need the top 75 Royce. Don't drop Royce O'Neill. and if somebody does, scoop him up very fast, because the only thing that's changed with this dude is that he's in a shooting slump, and that levels off, always. Law of large numbers, just wait it out. Uh, Next on the board is the watch list, and there are a number of names on this one, and that's going to make it impossible for me to type it out, so I'm just going to do it kind of the ugly way and see if that uh, works in a pinch. But for you guys listening, uh, watch list player number one is Nick Batum. He's actually played relatively well over the last little bit. Um, He's not not well enough to add. Uh, Plus, we've seen, especially from last year, after he plays better for a few days and has a few extra minutes... He does tend to get hurt. So they're going to have to dial his minutes back down. My expectation is that we're not going to have to do anything with Batum, but we might as well watch just to see how it plays out. Tara Eason, who's going to be on the watch list almost perpetually. He's close. I mean, like, you know what? Screw it. Make him an ad at this point. I don't care. Uh, He's like 125 to 140 range pretty much every week uh, throughout the entire season. The minutes haven't really been there. They're a little bit better over the last one to two weeks. If he gets his minutes into the 22 or higher range, he probably does end up making it to the top 100 area. Uh, And he has a really nice fantasy game. He rebounds well. He gets steals. He hits some three-pointers. His field goal percent has actually not been that bad for a young player. Uh, not good, mind you, but not, like, tank your team bad. He's around 44%. Makes his free throws. That's relevant and good. I um, think he got picked up, like, three weeks ago in a lot of leagues, which, mind you, was was way early, and folks are sitting on him, and I think a lot of the time I do have a fear that this is just going to be what happens throughout the year, where sometimes it's 17 minutes, sometimes it's 21. This is, like, what everybody was dealing with with Alper and Shengun last year. Uh, and we're just going to keep hoping that Eric Gordon gets moved. If he does, Eason becomes extraordinarily valuable very quickly. But Eric Gordon's been on the trading block for three and a half seasons. You know, maybe it happens this year. If it does, it's probably going to be around the trade deadline. I think you can probably add Eason, um, but he's still only thirty-seven percent rostered, which is not super high. I, you know, he hasn't been a twelve teamer. Uh, but for, you know, four or five day stretches kind of blended in with a lot of top 140, 150 range stuff. So it's close. I'll certainly give you that. And like three weeks ago, remember, I was saying folks are way too early on this. Well, now you're not way too early anymore. You're probably just a tiny bit too early. Um, But, you know, we're at a point where if you wanted to do it on the head-to-head side, you just ride with it because he's not really hurting you anywhere. On the Roto games cap side, you could pick him up and you probably just wouldn't start him for now. He becomes a luxury stash. Uh, Who else is on the watch list here? I can go back and see it on my screen. Charles Bassey is a watch list guy um, on the chance that he jumps over Zach Collins, or if Collins ends up uh, hurt. Remember, he got knocked to the floor and kind of whacked his head. It sounds like Collins is okay, so those two guys are going to continue to split minutes, and that hasn't really been enough for Bassey consistently, but he's damn close. As is Quinton Grimes, who finally had his first 12-team relevant line. If he does it again, I might pick him up. That's the short version on that one. Daniel Gafford, um, he's been close. I still think he's really more of a guy you make the play on. It's like the safe play is if Christoph Porzingis has to miss a game, which you got to figure is going to happen at some point here. Uh, but, you know, Gafford... If the schedule is good, you could throw him in more head-to-head side. Again, Roto Games cap. I don't know that I'd have the, the stones to drop him into a lineup right now. And similarly for Monte Morris, I kind of want to see what he does in the next one without Bradley Beal. Because he finally had a game where he did stuff. And that's so rare for Morris, who's much more of the, like, lag back, make good passes, good assist-to-turnover ratio kind of dude. But very rarely gets aggressive. He got kind of aggressive in their last ball game. I don't expect that to continue long-term. But maybe in a little burst here with Beal out, if he does it again, I'll probably add him and see how it goes. Alex Caruso is on my watch list right now. He's moved into the starting lineup. He still really needs one high-usage guy to get out of the way. But as a steals specialist, there he kind of makes sense. And that's why he's watch list and not really a stream or even an ad. Deploy as needed. Sadiq Bay is on my watch list. Uh, we talked about him a little bit on yesterday's show. As I'm kind of down on Pistons fantasy values as a whole, anyway, um Bain needs a lot of shots to get there, um, and lately he's gotten like just barely enough. So watch list. Jalen Duren overtook some of the other centers in the Pistons last ball game. If that continues, he becomes an immediate add. So just keep an eye on him day to day, night to night, and he's another one. Uh, you know, like with Walker Kessler, who you know Duren's. Not quite built the same, a little more of the traditional, like, rim runner type where Kessler's just a giant dude. Uh, But it's that same thing where you want to kind of be ahead of the curve with a guy like that. And then Kyle Anderson and Jalen Noel, I lumped together into one because in the last game, uh, slow-mo got the start, but his minutes were squeezed a bit, and Noel actually ended up doing more. So could this flip back and forth? Would that end up being extremely annoying for fantasy users? Uh, yeah, it would be very annoying. And so I don't know that either of them is a guy you need to start in a games cap format. You could probably play both of them in a head-to-head, you know, if the Wolves have a back-to-back coming up or something like that. Or even just in kind of a standard streaming sense. I'm really more thinking of, like, who you could use a games cap on. And for both of them right now, I'm pretty iffy. Uh... The buy list is very short. Keldon Johnson and Terry Rozier, they're showing signs of breaking out of their slumps. I don't have the proper pairing for them, but we'll try to take care of some of that over on the social media side. Again, that's at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Show's not over yet. I just wanted to remind you guys of the Twitter handle, at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We'll try to figure out what it would cost you to make a trade for Keldon Johnson or Terry Rozier right now because you're not going to get full discount price but I think you'll probably get discounted more than where they were drafted, and how much, that's where we'll kind of have to figure out if it's enough. Is the discount enough, I should say. Uh, on the sell list, and it might be too late, Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, we put him on the sell list last week before Dame made his return, but after seeing the box score yesterday, I think everybody kind of saw why Simons and Grant were on the sell board. Because we remember what they did the week when Dame was healthy at the beginning of the season, and it was not nearly enough. Now, they'll still be fantasy relevant, you know, but Simons as a top 30 guy, that's not going to happen when Dame is around. And Jeremy Grant is a top 50 guy, that's not going to happen when Dame is around. He just takes too many touches away from those guys. There's enough for them to be 12-team startable left, but not enough for them to be anywhere near where they were before. So we'll try to work through that on Twitter as well. The buys and sells are a lot easier to do when you can get data from a large chunk of people so we can run some polls, we can try to figure out uh, really what it would take to make a trade involving any of our buys and sells on that list. And the streamer board, which, oh boy, um, it's really long. I'm not going to go through them. Uh, individually with a with a big explanation. Um, so I'm just going to list the players and who they're replacing. And uh, if we have questions on that, we can kind of take it over the forums as well. Uh, the streamer board. Caleb Martin was a good stream with Kyle Lowry out. De'Anthony Melton, good stream with Tyrese Maxey out. Tory Craig with Cam Johnson out. John Conchar, kind of a chill stream. Kind of like Tory Craig. Those guys are sort of chill streams. That's Desmond Bain being out. Colin Sexton being down, I think Malik Beasley probably stays in the mix. Michael Porter Jr. out means Bruce Brown. Brandon Ingram out. Trey Murphy's been a terrific streamer uh, the entire year. I think there were like four games where the Pels were fully healthy. Trey was not particularly great in those four games, but he's had a a wide-open avenue the rest of the way. Ingram, Zion, Herb, CJ. I mean, someone's been out on that team. What have they played, 25 games or something like that? I feel like 21 of them. Trey Murphy's probably started. Uh, Mo Wagner for Wendell Carter Jr. Right now, he's starting in front of Mo Bamba, but we'll have to kind of keep tabs on that. Killian Hayes uh, starting for Cade. That's been a longer one. Um, this got stretched into a couple of posts here. Zach Collins currently for Pirtle, but as we talked about, Bassie is creeping up on him, so that one could kind of bounce either way. AJ Griffin, I, I wasn't super high on him after we saw that last ball game, but now with almost the entire Hawks starting lineup hurt, You almost have to. Um, I think Anthony Davis is back, but if he happens to miss another game, Thomas Bryant is the stream there. Jalen McDaniels has been playing better again for Charlotte with Gordon Hayward out. Denny Avdia, I like that stream with Bradley Beal out. Avdia looks really good. Um, Every time Beal's gone down now, he's been pretty consistently solid. And then Al Horford being down with COVID. Grant Williams is the guy that steps up into that bucket. And that is your full mega list of a week in review, but... We do have one more lightning round task upon us, and that is a look at the upcoming weekend. We're going to look at every single ball game very fast and just try to remind you guys what we're watching for if it wasn't something that we already talked about during our list of players from before. So, starting with tonight, uh, New York, Grimes, Charlotte, McDaniels, more of a streamer type. Washington, I want to see if anybody besides Avdia can slide up into that streamer bucket and what's going on with Daniel Gafford, who we already talked about. Uh, Andrew Nemhart in Indiana is the guy to watch. Let's see what happens if anybody comes back for the Pacers. Toronto, nothing. Orlando, uh, Wagner's, multiple Wagner's, but really Mo is the one that we're watching in the front court and Markel Fultz, who's coming off a pretty big dud. For the Lakers, not a whole lot. Philly, not a whole lot either. Sacramento, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray are the guys you're keeping an eye on there. Cleveland, not much now that Jared Allen's back. Atlanta, Bogdan Bogdanovich, A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnson, all of those guys and sort of how they fit with so many pieces down for the moment. Brooklyn, like honestly, if this is the game where Royce O'Neal hits five out of eight shots and you guys all re-add him, fine. Just remember who told you not to drop him in the first place. Uh, Detroit, we talked a bunch about Detroit already, but you're keeping tabs on Killian Hayes. You're keeping on tabs on, uh, on Jalen Duran. Uh, everything going on in the front court there has been a little bit of a mess. Memphis, nothing really. Phoenix, Chris Paul's second game back. What do his minutes look like more than anything else? Pelicans, not a whole lot, although it's possible we might see uh, other players down and out. I think Herb is still hurt, and uh, Alvarado got hurt in their last ball game. Does that open anything up for someone like a Dyson Daniels? Maybe, but I'm not going to get out in front of it. I'd rather just run with the Trey Murphy mega stream there. Minnesota, we already talked about uh, the Noel and slow mo situation. Utah, Conley back, Sexton out, Markin and questionable. What's Walker Kessler going to do? What's Malik Beasley going to do? There's actually a lot to pay attention to with the Jazz. Milwaukee, nothing. Dallas, nothing really. I mean, we're I think we're pretty good on Tim Hardaway at this point. Flipping to Saturday, the Spurs. Keldon Johnson, two games in a row. He hasn't shot the ball all that poorly. Hey, hey. The center spot, while well, Pirtle continues to be out. We'll keep tabs on that. They've upgraded Pirtle's injury to, uh, it was like a heel strain or something now, I think. it. So it sounds a little bit worse, but we'll see. Maybe he'll be back in the not-too-distant future. Miami, I think this should be a full health game for them. So probably nothing really to keep tabs on there. Uh, Brooklyn, Indiana, we talked about. Clippers, Kawhi should be back for this one. Washington we talked about, Oklahoma City, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, somebody to watch, but not much else there. Cleveland, Dallas, Chicago. I think we can keep tabs on Caruso, who we just talked about as a watch list guy. Boston, some streamers here with Horford down, but not much else there. Warriors, uh, I think they expect to have Stephen Draymond back for this game on Saturday. But if Wiggins is still out, does someone step into that role? Is it Jordan Poole, or does something else happen? Uh, Denver nothing really there beyond the typical stream stuff. Uh, I guess you can keep tabs on Bones, and uh, Portland is the last one on Saturday, uh, but really not much going on there other than the the kind of buy low, sell high stuff, and I think everybody plays either Friday or Saturday this week, interestingly, except the Rockets, um, and with them, you know, we're just continuing to wait for Eric Gordon to decide he wants to take like two weeks off, and then everything will get delightful, because Eason will be good, and KJ Martin will be good, and in the meantime... A lot of Rockets are fighting to try to get near the top 90. And right now, I think Alperin Sengun is the only one who's uh, just barely inside that mark. So that's your lightning round weekend in preview. We will also, of course, loop back around on Monday with a reverse chronological lightning round to recap everything that happened over that stretch. A few things here towards the end of the uh, recorded pod. Don't worry, for those watching on the video form, we'll have some uh, little post-show goofiness going on. Uh, but I do want to remind everybody, if you want to join us here at Sports Ethos, we are continuing to recruit for baseball, for basketball, for hockey, for football, full-season fantasy, or DFS. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Dan vespers or email roster at sportsethos.com is the email address. Roster at sportsethos.com. If you want to email in and apply to be a part of our sports ethos team. Also, if you want to cover a team, not in the fantasy sense, you can also uh, hit me up for that or email in for that as well. Uh, to those listening on the recorded side, please do continue to throw those five-star reviews on the podcast. They made a really big deal to us. That's a that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Sort of the same story. If you're watching on any of our shows on YouTube, subscribe and click the like button on anything all of that, every single one of those little things you guys do to help us grow, it makes an impact. One new person finds it, two new people find it. They start hitting like, snowball effect. Big deal. We love you for it. Thank you once again this week to Manscape.com promo code there Ethos twenty for twenty percent off and free shipping on your order. Thank you to ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball for their continued partnership. That's an extra three months on a one year subscription. And thank you to thrivefantasy.com. The promo code there is ethos. They'll get you a full deposit match bonus. Thanks for listening, everybody, on the recorded pod. Another week in the books of Fantasy NBA today. Again, we'll hit you up on Monday with a reverse chronological lightning round. If you have any questions about anything we're doing, again, take that over to the forums at sportsethos.com. I will get you guys on social media. we got a lot left to do today over there. Uh, adieu for now.